I was born for his service He filled me with purpose Take your time while you worship him I'm unplugged from the matrix Believe without seeing I'm plugged into the matrix The Daily Perspective Welcome to another episode of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Why am I popping up? <laughs> anyway, um, I'm your host, Mr. Daily, and uh, as I said, I'd like to welcome you to another episode. And yeah, shout out to everyone that's listening. Um, just had a conversation with my brother, he's trying to get involved, so like, shout out to him. So he, he just cussed me out like, yo, why, why aren't you on TuneIn? Get your ass on TuneIn. So we are going to be on there. Um, I'm going to sort that out. Um, so you'll be able to pick us up on there. But yeah, shout out to people listening to us on Spotify, listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, or, or what? Man, I, I, I lost it. Or, Audacity, I think. I'm, I'm not sure. Basically, anywhere you get your podcast from, I respect it. We're trying to be there. iHeartRadio, whatever, whatever um, SoundCloud, whatever it is, we're trying to be where you need us to be. So, shout out to you. Um, shout out to anyone that's watching this on um, YouTube. Shout out to anyone that's watching this on Facebook. Shout out to you wherever you are connecting with us from. So, I got my drink. So, I'm gonna take a sip. Got some good stuff. That's all. Got my uh, rum and coke. And we're just about to get right into this. Um, so, today I'm gonna talk about some. You, you know how we do. We usually pick up on topics that we, we I come across. And. Um, I'm just going to go straight into it. The first one that I came up came across was um, the title of the topic or of the article was "Dear Pastor, regarding your sloppy virginity metaphor." So, break it down simply. It's a woman whose child asked her why old people who aren't trying to have babies are still having sex. And she was taken aback by this and she was like, ooh, damn, why does kid girl ask me this? So she, she was like, um, okay, baby, I, I can't tell you right now. You go to bed, I'll, I'll figure this out and I'll come and, talk, I'll come and explain it to you. Just we'll put a pin in it right now, we'll, we'll talk about this. So she started to kind of reminisce and think about when she was growing up and she recalled her youth pastor and her youth pastor said, at something along these lines. When, you know what, let me find it. Let me let me be exact with what this guy said. Um, so, he, <laughs> oh man, this was, um, yeah, this stuff was, this was hilarious. So he said, um, girls, when a man rents a house, he doesn't mind having a used couch. But when he buys a house, he wants new furniture. <laughs> I was like, oh damn. <laughs> this dude told them their coochies is old furniture. It's <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's a messed up metaphor. 
Um, and on a serious note, the fact that he directed this at the girls, for me, was... It's not shocking. It's not... It's not a shocker. It doesn't doesn't make me go, oh, damn! No, it's... Um, it's something that I'm starting to get used to, that as... There, there, how do I put this? Within the Christian community, there is clearly a lot of um, misogynistic behavior. There is uh, bias towards uh, men. Um, men are showing more favor. Um, Women aren't valued the way that they should be. Women are told to be submissive and it's as though submission means saying goodbye to everything that they are. And this, this, what what he said here is just a perfect example of how that continues. So she goes on, she starts to talk about stuff and she says, so what standards are being set? And so she said, um, he said, even, she said, even after whatever standards are set for grown-ass men talking to teenage girls about their hymens, this metaphor feels sloppy. There were just too many unanswered questions. Question one, how pristine did our couches need to be to get husbands? Number, question two, would our husbands be pure and fresh like us or would we have to settle for any urine-soaked bedbug-ridden futon on Craigslist offering to put a ring on it. Question three, were our whole bodies the couches or just our vaginas? (laughs) And then she put, not to be crass, but we definitely had a few gently used mouths and pre-owned right hands in the room that night. So I was like, (laughs) that made me laugh. Um, but But she's right. So if you're going to put this metaphor out there, don't just throw the metaphor out there for the young women. What about the men? So when are, are we saying that when a woman buys a house, she's happy to put up with used furniture? Of course not. Anyone buying a brand new, buying a house wants new furniture. It's a poor metaphor. It is a very poor metaphor to, to use to, when describing someone's virginity. At the end of the day, um, whether you're male, female, whatever, we should be teaching our youth about self-respect, about not letting people abuse their bodies and them not abusing their bodies, valuing themselves. Um, And not just that we should be teaching about whole sexual health and just stuff that we allow the the schools and depend on the schools to teach our children. These are things that we as parents should be taking the responsibility to teach our children. We should be telling them, they shouldn't be finding out from their friends or school what condoms are. We should tell them. They shouldn't be finding out about the range of STIs that are out there from their friends and schools and so on. We should be teaching them. They shouldn't, we shouldn't be sitting here teaching them that 
sex is purely for procreation because the Bible doesn't tell us it's purely for procreation. Um, otherwise, the Bible would not say um, husbands enjoy the wives of your youth and vice versa and, and, you know, and talks about do not deny each other the uh, pleasures of the flesh unless it is for an agreed time to dedicate yourselves to prayer and then to come back and be one. Um, so clearly the, the, the Bible talks about us enjoying it. The whole of songs of Solomon is like, it's lit. It's about you enjoying sex and getting busy and doing, doing the nasty and doing, you know, again, again, but out and, that's that's what it's about. So, but even if we even if we take some of the stories that are not so um, commonly spoken about, so interesting one that I read was about Judah and his um, daughter-in-law Tamar. And now you know. Let me let me, let me do a whistle stops thing of the story so Judah's this dude he has this son he moves to Canaan he's um he his son um marries his, his son marries this woman uh his son dies they don't have a child he promises his younger son to this to this he sends her back to her parents and promises that when his younger son gets old enough he would then call for her and she would marry his younger son so they can produce an heir for the firstborn that died or whatever. Um, he, he judices her on that. He doesn't go through on the, on the promise and she's pissed. She is pissed. So she's like, Oh, I know that young boy is now grown. You know, I seen him out there. I heard about him. I know he grown. He got muscles. He, he, he looking good, but they ain't sent for me. So she was like, oh, I, I, I see you. I see you. So, she, so she, she, she comes up with a plan. She's like, oh, I, know, I, know, I know how Judah likes it. I know Justin Judah looking at my ass. So, she's, so she's, uh, she decides she's going she's gonna, to um, she's gonna get, she's going to figure this out. So she dresses up like a shrine prostitute and she heads over to the shrine. Now, Judah's heading to the shrine and he sees this uh, person that he thinks is a shrine prostitute. And he's like, hey, 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 yo, Shade!" Walks up to her and he's like, All right, let, me, let, me, let me talk to you real quick. And he's like, look, can I have sex with you? And she's, she's like, uh, how do I know? He goes, I can't pay you now, but I, I, I will send some young goats and, you know, I will send the payment." She's like, how do I know you're going to keep your promise? So he's like, okay, here's my walking stick. Here's my signet ring and, um, and something else. So she takes the stuff. He hits it. She goes. She gets pregnant. Then he finds out that, um, he finds out that she's pregnant. And 
people are people are like, oh, your your daughter-in-law has acted like a prostitute and she's pregnant. So he's like, oh, hell's no, bring her out. So let's so we can burn her. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, dude, you just you just you just hooked up with a prostitute yourself. So how come you're allowed to and you're ready to burn this chick? Well, you just did. You just acted filthy yourself. Come on. So I was like, double standards or what? But um, anyway, she comes back. She's like, before before you act rashly, the person that got me pregnant is the person that this stuff belongs to. And she sends she sends his uh, the ring, the walking stick, and and he's like, oh damn! Realizes that he's the one that got her pregnant and he's like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so she's clearly more righteous than I am because, you know, I promised to do something and I didn't do it. And yeah, we'll say no more about this. Leave her alone, let her be. Now, I tell that story because basically the behavior that Judah exhibited in that story continues today we allow double standards to continue to and to persist in society, not just in the church, but the church is a place where we should recognize that everyone is a product of grace and everyone should be held to the same standards and everyone should be held accountable for for their actions, and everyone should be taught the same thing, and everyone is seen the same way by God, and everyone's sin is measured at the same level by God. So telling young women that their coochies are, are, are like couches, and no man wants an old one when he can have a new one, is dead wrong dead wrong no questions about it and um and i think the 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 sad thing for me really as i read that is that it, it to me it feels and she doesn't really say whether she's still someone of faith but um i can see how what that youth pastor did can turn people away from faith I can see how it can it can make people decide, like, no, nah, forget this. This ain't for me. This I'm not interested in. This keep your old fuddy duddy Christianity, whatever flex that you're running. I don't want none of that. Bun that. So you can you can see how that could happen because it's like men are, and young boys are allowed to get away with stuff and not and they're not held accountable for their actions it, it goes back to what i was saying yesterday um yesterday last week about the purity movement and how it didn't just fail the young women it failed the young men because it doesn't teach them how to be accountable for themselves this is just an extension of that yet again we have youth pastors in the 90s and 2000s and um i hope things have changed um, that are not teaching that they that were not teaching young men to be accountable for their actions. 
you are capable of deciding whether you're going to do something or not do something. And if you go about putting it around and, and smashing everything that you see, and then you're like, oh, ooh, ooh, okay, I'm done. I am done. Ooh, it's a wrap. Now I'm going to get married. A woman has the right to look at you and go, mm -mm, take your raggedy thing away from here. Ain't no one interested in that used up, crusty, whatever that looks like. No thank you. A woman has the right to say that. So if you're going to pick a metaphor, pick a metaphor that makes sense to both. Pick a better metaphor that um, talk about valuing yourself. You know, talk about making a decision that is respectful of who you are and who you want to be. Um, you know, I don't believe I don't believe in in slut shaming or any of that sort of stuff. Um, if someone has a past, they have a past. So what? Everyone has a past. Everyone has a story. Everyone, no one is perfect. There's no one perfect out there. And um, the same way Jesus did not judge, even though he had the right to, then we shouldn't judge. I'll come back to that. He without sin cast the first stone. But if you're going to dash stones, be ready to catch your own boulders. So that's, that's the first one. Second thing I came across. Um, let's see. What was this one? Uh, bear with me. While I, while I look for that, let me sip some sippy sippy. Ooh, there we go. Okay, okay, this is a good one. Marriage disproportionately benefits men. So, this article is um, this article is talking about how married men are happier and um, healthier than their unmarried counterparts, but the tr the same is not true for women because married men tend to get um, they tend to get paid more. Uh, they tend to have more success in their careers. And um, they tend to, I guess, enjoy, as I say, enjoy a better standard of life. Whereas married women tend to get paid less, um, work similarly long hours to, to their husbands, um, have, to have to contribute to the household and this is the, and I guess this is the kicker, um, but they're still expected to do everything at home. Now, I'm going to start with a just flat out disclaimer here, or not even a disclaimer, a flat out statement. If you are a married man that expects your wife to do everything in the house, cook, clean, 
look after the children, look after you, wash your clothes, wash her clothes, wash the kids' clothes. Shame on you. Shame on you. Because at the end of the day, when I was growing up, my mom raised me and said, I, she, she ain't raising no son that's going to be a, any, a burden on any woman, number one. Number two, I lived by myself for a whole, whole bunch of time before I got married. And I had to look after my damn self. I had to cook my own food. I had to clean my own house. I had to do all that stuff. So when I got married, I had no issue continuing to do that. Second, uh, thirdly, marriage is a partnership. So I had no issue cleaning our house. I had no issue in the same way I had no issue with my wife contributing to the household. I had no issue with me contributing to the housework. I had no issue with me helping with the children. I had no issue with me cooking. I do the majority of the cooking. For me, it's so for me, cooking is a love language anyway. It's something that it's one of the ways I express my love for my wife and my children. So I have no issue with that. But even before I realized it was something I love to do, I still had no issue cooking. It's just, I don't get this, I don't get the view that people have that they go into marriage and they believe that they need these men believe that they need to be looked after. Vice versa as well. There are women out there because I think this article, okay, this article is written by a woman and I get where she's coming from, but there are also women that go into marriage expecting everything to be done for them. They want the man to pay all the bills. They want him to cater to every single need. And their job is just to sit back and reap the benefits of, uh, and, and enjoy those, those benefits. Again, that's, that's unbalanced. Marriage is about balance. It's about um, give and take, compromise. So a perfect way of, of explaining it for, for, for me is that um, it's like yin and yang. I think that's that's probably best sort of way of describing it. There are things, there are areas in, in my life where I may be weak and my wife is strong. And there are areas in her life and in, in, in our lives that she is strong and I am weak. Oh, wait, I just said the same thing. Um, so there are areas where she's weak and I'm strong and there are areas where I am strong um, weak and she is strong. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, uh, you get what I'm saying anyway, I'm confusing my damn self. And that's when you, that's what happens when you drink too much liquor, baby. He says, well, I'll sit there some more. Um, so the point I'm trying to make is it's give and take it's compromise. It's, Whatever, whatever you, when you, when you go into marriage, you go, you should go into it knowing that 
you are going to be required to do your share. And you should be happy and willing to do your share because if you love someone, you're, so for me, I, my wife is, is someone that I would do anything for. And I know it's the same. I know that, that it's reciprocated. If you're in a relationship where you don't feel your level of love for that person is reciprocated, then you've got some hard questions to ask yourself. Because as far as I'm concerned, true love, when someone loves you hard, you can't help but to love them back the same way. It's, it's, if, well, that's just the way I feel about it. That's just, hey, I might be speaking for myself. But, um, so as I read this, I read through the whole thing, um, and I actually talked about it with my wife. And, we, you know, I said, uh, one of the interesting stats, so the, the woman said, the woman that wrote the article said that uh, 70% of divorce in America is instigated by women. So I was like, damn, I wonder what, that, what that's like in the UK. So I went, I looked. Um, so from kind of like the 1900s to about 1950, it was actually quite balanced. The numbers were sort of 50-50. From the 50s onwards, you could see the margin growing where most divorces were instigated by women. Now, you can read that in two ways. One, and, this, and I'll give the woman her credit. She did say this as well. Some women have unrealistic expectations in marriage. Two, some women realize that the people they're with can't even meet the basic needs of marriage, meaning they were not mature and mentally ready to be married. And rather than putting up with that BS, they bounced. And Fair play to them. That's their choice. The other, the other bunch, the ones that go into it with unrealistic expectations, when you, some of them, you know, so they did a survey with people that have been twice married and they, the, the women that they surveyed were like, well, in my second marriage, I realized that I was being unrealistic in my first and that my second husband also has areas of weakness that I think he needs, you know, that I've just learned to put up with and learned to accept. He has flaws. And I was like, ding, 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 you have flaws too. Out here calling out a brother on all his flaws. What about your flaws? But you got some corns on your feet and some, anyway, let's, let's not go there. But she had her flaws. And she, you know, started to acknowledge their own flaws. And it, it meant that they were reviewing how they approached their first marriage. And some of them were like, I could have stayed in my first marriage if I'd been willing to compromise because I'm compromising now. So it's a bit of growth, but I think... 
I get what the writer of the article was saying, that marriage can be disproportionate. Not can be. Society, yet again, it's kind of like the first thing that we talked about. Society has made marriage disproportional and it has allowed men to gain this unfair advantage in marriage. Um, but then there are also areas where men are completely disadvantaged. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm struggling with this one. So let's, let's take an example. If you are married and you have, um, and you split up, it's more likely that the woman will get to keep the house. And if you have children, she will be granted full custody of the children with you, if you're lucky, getting visitation. Um, You will have to pay spousal support and child maintenance, which I don't believe is it should be an issue. If you have children, pay for your damn children. Don't be trying to do no... Mm-mm. If I can't see them, I'm not paying. Even if you can't see your kids, pay the money that is due. You help make those children. You help raise those children. And you write those children letters. You do whatever you can to make those children know that you tried to be there and either you weren't allowed to be or whatever the circumstances, you couldn't. You couldn't engage with them how you wanted to, but you tried. But do not stop your payments for your children. That's, no no one is gonna, no judge will ever hear you out if you stop paying for your children. Um, and I just think it just looks, it just looks dead wrong if you do it. So just just pay for your children. Let them know that, you will always be there to provide as their parent. Um, so that's an important thing. But I think that the the way the when it comes to sort of divorce and going your separate ways, I think it's disproportionate. I think that men are treated harshly and unfairly, especially when it comes to the children. It may be because that whole this again, it might be because we our society is so hung up on outdated gender roles because this is part of the problem in marriage. Men have unrealistic expectations about gender roles and they see it as the woman's role to cook clean and care for the children. You know, it's her job to take care of the home. Even if she's got a full-time job and she is contributing just as much as he is financially to the home, he still he still has. There are still men out there that have this unrealistic expectation that it's her duty to take care of the house. When it so that those gender roles are generally a disadvantage to women in whilst they are married. But once it comes to divorce, those gender roles are a strength. 
to women in the argument of who gets to keep what, how the assets are split and who gets responsibility for the children. Because the courts also work off these outdated gender roles and say, well, she is responsible for the children and she is responsible, you know, she needs to have the place to care for them and and X, Y, and Z and generally tend to favor and side and, and give everything over to the women. In majority of cases, it's the right decision, but there are a number of cases where it isn't. And even if it is the right decision for the child to stay with their mother, there should be some rules in there to ensure that fathers get access to their children, fair access to their children. So, as I said, I get what what the writer of the article was saying in terms of the disproportionality in relationships um, and how men have an unfair advantage and a lot of men abuse this, abuse the gender roles and use the gender roles to keep women in a certain place. But then women use the gender roles to their advantage when they need to as well. I guess it's part of the human condition. We will take advantage of whatever we can to get our own way. Um... I don't think there's I don't think there's much else to say about that one. That's the reality of it. We we are we're all, we're all we can all be messed up. We can all be some selfish ass people and do some messed up stuff to each other and use look, when people argue or when people are at war with each other, people turn nasty and the, they say the most horrid things to each other, the most nasty things. They weaponize every single thing they can because they want the upper hand. They want to hurt the other person. Sometimes they don't even mean half the stuff that they say. That's why in an argument, it's for me, I always believe it's best for you to step away, take a breather and calm your ass down before things get too hot because once it gets to that point, you're going to say stuff that you can't take back. Once you say something, once those words leave your mouth, there is no, you can't call them back. And if you say something that is really low and below the belt, you done messed up because it's never, it's going to be permanent, permanently etched into that person's brain. They're never going to forget what you said. And you're going to have one heck of a job to try and recover that situation. And that's what happens when people, that's what happens when people argue. That's what happens when people fall out. That's what happens when people disagree. Now, one thing I will call out, because this is something that's always pissed me off. Um, When it comes to... When it comes to abuse, as far as I'm concerned, whether it's physical or emotional abuse, whoever the the abused has the right to leave. Do not stay because there is no room in this world for abuse. 
you do not deserve to be emotionally abused or physically abused. And that goes for men and women. Historically, women have stayed because of all the taboos around divorce and stuff like that. And so many women die in domestic violence situations. It's not acceptable. The laws need to change. The laws need to protect women, um, especially those at risk or suffering in situations of domestic abuse. But equally, there are men who are being physically and mentally abused. The law needs to protect them as well, because guess what? They are also vulnerable and they are less likely to speak up because of the stigmas around um, domestic abuse towards men. They are like, people are going to be looking at them like, what do you mean she banged you up? She did what? You, you, you let her punch you up, bruv. She, she, she slapped you. She burnt you with an iron. She ridiculed you. So you, it's kind of like, Men are afraid to be laughing stocks or um, looked at a certain way by their peers because we've got this dumb thing in society where if a man is being physically abused by a woman, we think it's funny or we think he's, he's weak or how, how are you going to let her do that to you? The fact is there, is there are a lot of men that will never raise their hands to a woman and they know, and these women know that. So they just push and push and push and push. And these men end up in situations where they are being violently attacked, verbally abused and all of these things and they just sit there and take it. It's not acceptable. In the same way, it's not acceptable for a woman to be, to be um, abused in her home. It's not acceptable for a man to be abused in his home. There are no gender roles there or whatever. No, nothing is, it, it's not acceptable. Domestic abuse across the board is not acceptable. So, in those situations, there's no disproportionality there. I don't believe anyone should be staying and I don't believe anyone should be suffering. Get the hell out of that situation. Do find some help. Find someone you can talk to. Find a friend, find a shelter, find whoever you can to help you get out of that situation because you, you are worth more than that. You do not deserve to be abused. You do not as deserve to be punched, kicked, ridiculed, um, made fun of, put down, whatever it is, you are worth far more than that. So domestic abuse, there is no room for it anywhere. Um, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on because, yeah, that's a, as, that one was getting a bit deep and it's kind of blowing my buzz, so... I'm going to sip a bit more of my liquor and uh, move on to, oh, oh man, why do I keep picking the stuff? So 
This one is an article I came across on The Conversation. Um, and it's basically, the, the title is Reckoning with Slavery, What a Revolt's Archives Tell Us About Who Owns the Past. So it got me thinking. So this, this article was talking about um, what modern day, what, what, is to, what is modern day Guyana? And it was talking about a revolt, a slave revolt that happened. Um, man, let's see, what was it? I know it's got the timelines in here. 1763 to 1764. Um, and basically, it got me thinking, because in here it talks about how the documents relating to this revolt are held in the British archives and in The Hague. The people of Guyana, the African Guyanese, have no record of this revolt. Um, it was removed from their history. It was removed from their history books. The only way you can find out the true accounts of what happened are by going to The Hague or going to the archives in London. So it made me think. And there's something that, that I've always said to people. The person who gets to write history is basically whoever wins the war, wins the fight, wins the battle, whatever it may be, the winner writes the account. The loser gets depicted in whatever way the winner chooses to depict them, unfortunately. And if the winner chooses to cover up what happened and to remove that history and make it disappear, guess what? They will. And they will tell whatever story they want. The British did that with their involvement in slavery. You would think that they, as I said in another podcast, you would think they had no part to play in slavery, whereas they were major players. It created the fortunes of Barclays Bank. It created... Um, they, it created the wealth of the royal family because they had the royal, um, was it the Royal African Company or whatever? Basically, they had their little slave company that was buying slaves and, and dealing in slaves. Um, they benefited from all the precious stones and the, the gold and all the stuff that was taken. But you, get, you have no accounts of this, these things because those records are sealed. Um, I was looking at, there was something I was reading and it was talking about the history of Nigeria. And it, it was really interesting because it had the, the timeline and it went from... Um, da, 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 1700 BC, then it to a certain point, 
then it had the pre-colonial stage, then it had the um, colonial stage, then you had this massive gap, and then you had independence. And it was like a huge chunk of Nigerian history just suddenly, it was like nothing was recorded for a certain period of time. And I, I've had so many conversations with my dad about Nigerian history. And unfortunately, it's not something that was taught to them. Um, but for me, I'm like a dog with a bone. I'm, I'm persistent. I keep looking for stuff because I think it's important that we, I know my history. But the reality is when Nigeria was colonized, our history was systematically being destroyed and removed. Our culture was being stripped away. Our artifacts were being stolen and put into museums for the benefit of our colonizers. So what you see is a continuing pattern. Whoever wins, whoever the colonizer, whoever the, the winner is, writes history. That's, that is still what happens today. Why are black men depicted as violent criminals? Because the white men are the ones in the courts writing the laws. And hey, they won. So they write whatever they want to write. They gave themselves the power so they will create whatever laws benefit and suit them. It's, and again, this is not a black versus white thing. This is just fact. This is me just stating what happens in society. Um, I have no issues with anyone that's white. I, I'm not, don't even waste my time trying to get me to engage in any kind of black-white debate about that sort of stuff. I ain't got time for that. All I'm trying to say is that whoever comes out on top gets the right history. Whoever is on top makes the laws. That's why black people couldn't vote. That's why... Um, black people weren't allowed to own stuff. That's why black people were enslaved. Not just enslaved in um, the US or in South America or in the Caribbean or in Europe. They were enslaved even in their own land by the, the colonizers. And it was covered up it as or it was dressed up as becoming part of the British Empire. No, you were be, you were being enslaved by the British Empire because if you didn't agree to becoming a colony, you were being killed. That's not free will. That's slavery. You you're, you're capturing them and you're forcing them to work for you. That's slavery. So, um. For me, history gets written by whoever wins. And unfortunately, that is why 
in Britain and England or whatever you want in the in the UK, you get one month of the year to learn about black history. And the black history that they teach you is not the part that they had to that Britain had to play in slave trade and Britain's contribution to the uh, Atlantic slave trade, because Britain will tell you that they were the ones that helped with the with abolishing it. They won't tell you that they were the ones that helped get it started and off, get it off the ground. They won't tell you that they're the ones that helped fund it and finance it. They won't tell you that, that everywhere they colonized, they enslaved the people. They won't tell you that everywhere they went, they stripped the resources and the history and the culture and and killed and imprisoned and got people, Africans to kill their own brothers and sisters. And they won't tell you any of that. They'll just tell you the bit that looks good because that's the PR machine that they've created. They'll show you American history. And in America, uh, I'll give the Americans credit that they own up to the failings of their society. But guess what? Uh, Native Americans were not the ones that enslaved um, the, the black people in America. It was the Europeans that moved to the Americas and carried on with their and, and took over the slave trade. So, you know, it's like the UK and the Europeans washing their hands of what their involvement they had in in the slave trade, but guess what? You guys are the same people that were over there doing it. You can't say, oh, but those, those bad Americans, they weren't Americans in the first place. They were Europeans that went and settled over there. So it's still you, it's still Britain and, and, and friends. So that's the reality of it. The history books are written by the people who had the power. They get to remove everyone else's history they get to tell the story in a way that paints them in whatever way they want to be painted. The documents that contain the truth are sealed and hidden and kept away from public record because the truth is ugly and they don't want, no one wants the truth out there. Do you think the UK wants black people here knowing how messed up um, how messed up this place was in terms of its involvement in, in the slave trade no the, the, that's not to say that they that, that black people here feel welcome because we clearly know we're not we, we know that <laughs> let's just keep it real we know that um, we know there's a whole bunch of people like go home Go home. That's, that's, that's not a shocker to us. But the, the way black people would react would be a whole lot worse if the truth was out there. And that's why the truth is covered up. So, yeah, so on that one, um, on that one, I, I, I definitely think I'm going to say it like I've said it before. If you are someone that is interested in knowing the truth, go out there and do your research. The one thing I love about the advent of the internet is that 
information is readily available. You can find whatever the hell you want to find now. You can get hold of anything. Um, ain't no one going to come out there and stop you from, from reading whatever you want to read. Set up all night and read, do your research get the answers that you want to get formulate your own theories formulate your understand find your own truth um the facts are out there that's it that's all i'm gonna say on that so i'm gonna keep drinking um i'm not gonna talk about anything else that's all i wanted to really cover today um but I'll be back again next week and um, I think what I'm going to do, do next week is I might start to dig into some um, I might start to dig in some, into some Bible stories and tell you some Bible some funny some funny Bible stories because there are some funny Bible stories like literally there is there's stuff in there that cracks me up where I'm thinking Oh, you dead wrong for that. Um, so we might have a little segment for that where we just uh, every week I might give you a Bible story that that I found I think is hilarious. Um, you can catch me Friday mornings as well on uh, the Imperfectly Human podcast with uh, Dr. Terence Johnson. Um, tune in for for the episode that will air this week and this that is uh, Black in the Bible so that's a good episode um, yeah definitely check that out I'll be back next week as I said um, with some more interesting articles that I discover on the internet um, I'd like to hear from you I'd like to know what you think so hit me up on Twitter at DY Daily. Hit me up on um, Instagram at DY Daily. Email me, david at dailyperspective.co.uk. Hit me up on Facebook at Daily Perspective. Get at me wherever you want to get at me. Um, if you think I'm, if you think I chat crap, tell me. <laughs> I don't care, but tell me. I'd, you know, I'd like to hear from you. Um, even though. If you like what I talk about, cool. You don't like it, tell me that you don't like like it, cool. But I would, you know, all I'm saying is get in touch, holler at your boy, let me know, let me know you're listening, and uh, let's keep this let's keep this party going. Um, but until next week, I'm, I'll be Mr. Daily, and I'll catch you on the other side. And thanks for listening to the Daily Perspective. <laughs>